Acts chapter 8, go down to verse number 26. If you're there, say amen. The Bible said, The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth north, or goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, or Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to hit this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. Let me ask, when's the last time you ran towards the will of God? I'm not talking about just physically, amen, but you was excited to do the will of God. You ran thither to him and heard him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And the eunuch, he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shears. So opened he not his mouth and his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and told him to watch my lifestyle and see how I live. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and dealt with the social issues of the day <laughs> and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water. You can't sprinkle if you're both going down into it. Amen. That was a baptism by immersion. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Astatos, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this morning. Lord, what a privilege, God, it's been to be in the house of God. We thank you for Sunday school. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the truths of your word. Lord, what a privilege it is, Lord, to pass them on to the next generation. Lord, I pray, Lord, it wouldn't just be a lesson I teach, but, Lord, be a life that I live. Father, help us this morning, God, from the word of God. Lord, we've purpose in our heart this month, God, to share the gospel, not by accident, not by circumstance, but on purpose. We pray, Father, Lord, you'd give us the boldness, give us the strength. Lord, put the great commission deep down in our hearts this morning. God, help us to see men and women as you see them, Lord. Help us, Lord, to share the gospel on purpose to those around us. We ask you, Lord, when you take your word, God, would it encourage us to do exactly that this morning. God, help us to see, Lord, you have not changed the motive, you, not have, you have not changed the method in all these years. Well, we love you, we thank you, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. I pray, Lord, for somebody, Lord, that's here this morning outside the one I already know of, Lord, that's concerned about salvation. Oh, Lord, you're working their hearts this morning, draw them unto yourself. But we love you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. If you've ever watched a sporting event, you've, you've probably ever you had to watch it on television. You've probably seen instant replay. 
And it's where they go immediately after a play takes place. They, they pull it back up onto the screen and they begin to dissect it. And they begin to show you what happened and what took place during that play, why it was successful or why it was not successful. Now, one of my favorite people to watch do this or to listen to this was John Madden. John Madden was a, an expert at this and he just had a way of doing it, right? He had a way of describing plays that, that were not typical to how everybody else described them. He would say things like this. You see that two, those two linemen, they pushed out and they opened up a hole big enough to drive a Mack truck through it. That's how the running back got into the end zone. But what I always loved about John Madden wasn't just the language that he used to describe a play, but that when they gave him that little pin in his hand and he was allowed to draw on the television screen. And here's the thing, when he got done drawing, it was lines and arrows and circles and marks and words everywhere on the screen. He took that thing and he dissected that play to the most minute detail where you could see how it happened. What we're going to do this morning, we're going to pull a, a play out of that playbook this morning. So hopefully you brought a pen with you this morning so we can dissect an instant replay of somebody sharing the gospel in their everyday life. As, as Philip has brought the gospel to this man, we don't know his name. All we know is where he came from. We know his condition and we know uh, where he's headed to and why he's come. We're looking at just a few minutes this morning, but I believe every Christian can learn to be a successful sharer of the gospel or soul winner however you want to put it, by dissecting the following elements of this instant replay this morning. Notice number one, we're going to look at the Ethiopian eunuch this morning. Verse number 27, we're introduced to him. The Bible said he arose, talking about uh, Philip, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Esaias the prophet. Here's the thing this morning, we could simply take all of what we've read this morning, all of what we've talked about already and say, here's the, here's the summary of the story. This man got saved, right? This man got saved by the grace of God. And that's a quick run over. We're not doing a quick glance this morning. We've got our telecaster in our hand. We're gonna dissect this thing and look exactly how this man got saved. We're gonna dig a little deeper. Why? Because when you begin to do that, you see some great truths that apply not just here in Acts, but in our everyday life. Notice in, in verse number 27, we see his miserable position. Preacher, he's not miserable. Look what he has, preacher. Look, he, he, necessarily, he has all worldly success. He, he has what most people strive for and dream for and work for and pursue after. Notice this, he's got great authority. In essence, this man, he can go and tell people to do things and they have to do them. He can say things and it, and it has to take place. He's got great authority. But notice as well, he's also got great riches. He, it's not his, but he's in charge of all of it, amen? He's in charge of all of the queen of Ethiopia's goods and wealth and finances. He's got it all. It's all to his charge. He makes decisions with it. He determines how to spend it. And notice here, he's also, he's also got the queen's trust, to a certain form and a certain fashion. Here is the man who's in charge of pretty much the, the, the treasury of all of Ethiopia. And he, somehow he goes to the queen and he says, I would like to travel back to Jerusalem. I would like to go to the temple. I would like to worship. I would like to take a leave of absence. 
I would like to to, to take a, a break from my job. Now, we live in 21st century America where we expect jobs to give us a week off. We expect paid time off. We expect all that wonderful stuff that comes through negotiation, all that kind of stuff. But this man didn't come in that kind of generation. It was a rarity. It was an odd thing for a man to go and say, you know what, give me some time off. But for some reason, the queen of Ethiopia, Candace, says go for it. You go back to Jerusalem. Maybe when you get back, you'll find what you're looking for and you'll come back a changed man. You'll come back somebody uh, who is excited to once again serve and, 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 and fill out their means. He had great power. He had trust of the queen. He had great means. We'll find out this morning he was still missing something. There was something in his life. He could not put his finger on it. He could not quite figure it out. There was something in his life that was lacking. There was something in his life that he, he, he had the question, but he did not have the answer for it. To the, so much to the point that he was willing to go on a great pilgrimage. You got to realize this morning, we, we think about, <laughs> we are not keen on foreign geography, Amen. Some of us aren't even keen on U.S. geography. I remember going into high school, and all the, here was the simple test. We had to label the states in America, all 50 states, and we had to label them. Man, I did good until I got up in the Northeast. I still don't know where the difference between Vermont, Rhode Island, New York, Massachusetts. I just, I just wrote them all, circled them, and drew an arrow that direction. Amen. <laughs> Above the Mason-Dixon line and out west, man, those were big states. They're easy to remember. But this man, he's gone from Ethiopia, more than likely the capital of it, to the capital of Jerusalem, of the, the Jewish people, a trip of 1,500 miles. He hasn't booked an airplane. He hasn't got on a train. He hasn't hopped in an automobile. He's ridden it on chariot. Oh, preacher, that's easy. I'd, I'd beg to differ, amen. That thing didn't have shock absorbers on it. That thing didn't have air conditioning didn't have a radio on it, didn't have any of that kind of stuff. So, but he's made this great pilgrimage. He's left Ethiopia, he's come to Jerusalem because he's looking for what he's missing. And he figures if I can get to the temple in Jerusalem, if I can get to where they, they worship the true and living God, if I get to, to, to where the, the supposedly God is, I will find what I'm looking for. Now, there's some that believe the reason why this Ethiopian knew that there was such a place as Jerusalem. It goes back to the days of Solomon when the Queen of Sheba came. And some scholars believe the Queen of Sheba went back to Ethiopia and settled there. And maybe this man was down from that line and, and maybe he had heard these things. And so he figures, you know, I'll do the same trip that, that the Queen of Sheba did. I'll go back to Jerusalem and I'll find one like Solomon. I'll find what I'm looking for. I'll find the answers that I need. And the sad thing was he didn't. At least not in Jerusalem, at least not at the temple, at least not in the, 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 the circumstances and the exercise of worship that we find in verse number 27. He's come to Jerusalem to worship, hoping to find what he's looking for. Now, there's some reasons why he didn't find it. Very well could have been his condition. Well, what do you mean by that, preacher? We understand what a eunuch is. We understand how a man becomes a eunuch. And if you say, preacher, I don't know what that is, go home and research it yourself this morning. You'll find out there was a procedure that took place that caused him and, and uh, made him a eunuch in that sense. There was That took place and underneath the law of, uh, we think it's Deuteronomy chapter number 23, you'll find out those that have gone through that, they were not allowed to go into the temple. 
And here's the thing this morning, one scientist said that because of that procedure, probably at a young age in his life, it was evident of not only that he was a eunuch, like you could just look at him and tell. And so as he approaches the temple, they probably asked him, sir, are you a eunuch? He said, oh, yes, I am. You're not welcome. We can't help you. You're not allowed in to worship. Maybe he didn't find what he was looking for because he was rejected. Maybe he couldn't find what he was looking for because when he got to the temple, all he seen was a ritual. All he seen was a religious exercise, a calisthenic History tells that this time in the nation of Israel, in Jewish history, we know that the temple has become corrupt. We see it in Jesus' day. Remember, Jesus looks out and he, 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 he says those words. He said, you have turned my, uh, my, the house of prayer into a den of thieves. And he did what Jesus does. And he made him a whip. He started flipping over tables. And he, he ran all those people out of there. That's my favorite response when someone says, what would Jesus do? Well, in some circumstances, I might just make me a whip and chase some people out of here, amen? <laughs> do it in Jesus' name. Just, I'm just trying to be like the Lord, amen? <laughs> But we understand it's become corrupt, right? Men have, have allowed their position, their persuasion, their power to, to, to influence their mind. And instead of serving God, they are serving themselves. And so maybe this eunuch walks in expecting the presence of God, expecting the power of God. Instead, he just finds a corrupt religious system. He doesn't find what he's looking for. Maybe when he showed up, he left in confusion. I don't think it's by accident where he's reading at. I don't think it's by, by chance he's reading in the book of Isaiah. And he's reading Isaiah 53. One of the greatest pictures in all of Isaiah of our suffering Savior dying for our sins. But we understand, we see it clearly today. We have the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and says, that's the Savior. That's Jesus Christ dying for you. And we say, amen. We love, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. By his stripes, I'm healed this morning. I can't think of some better verses than that. You're down and discouraged? Go to Isaiah 53. You want some excitement? Go to Isaiah 53. You want a reminder? Go to Isaiah 53. That's what Jesus did for you. We agree on that this morning, but in, in this culture, in this time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious elite did not agree on this verse. They did not agree on this chapter. Some would say, well, actually Isaiah's not talking about the Lord or the Messiah's talking about himself. And then some would say, well, maybe he is not talking about it. He's not talking about himself, but he's talking about a different prophet, another man. And then even some would say, well, he could be talking about the Messiah. But if that's the Messiah, we don't want him. We want one who will come and rule with authority and one who will, who will rid us of the Roman government, will free us from the oppression that we're in. So I can imagine this eunuch walks in and he, he asks the same question that he asks Philip here, who is this man? Who does this speak of? And they say, well, actually it depends on who you talk to. It could be this or it could be that or it could be this one or this person. And he walks and he leaves out of there just as confused as when he walked in. He's made this great pilgrimage. He's made this great trip. 
He's, he's sacrificed. You've got to realize this morning, this man has given up much to, to go to the temple to try to find out who God is. And we sometimes sit in our couch or sit in our homes and say, you know what? I'm just not going today. I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel good. When we live all of but 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes away from church, we've got power steering. We've got air conditioners. We've got radios. We've got Bluetooth. We've got all that this morning. God I said, I've given you all of this. Just come to church and meet with me for a little bit. This man said, I'm willing to go this far and to give this much. Well, so preacher, how do you know he didn't find what he was looking for? Because he still had the same question when it was all said and done. Look at verse number 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? He said, his miserable condition, he said, everything I've got, Everything that's been given to me, everything I possess, my position, my, my placement in life, I, I've made this great trip and, and I still don't know why. I still don't have an answer for my question. See, a lot of times we think, well, if somebody just finds church, a church, they'll find the Lord. That's not necessarily true because not every church preaches the word of God. Not every church preaches the God of the Bible. Not every church, when you go in and in some form or fashion, the gospel is preached to them. So we'll see this one. He's, 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 in essence, he's, he's gone to church and he can't find what he's looking for. He can't find the answer to his questions. It's a miserable place to be. When you want to know the answer, you just can't find it. Like trying to put something together with directions from China. You try your best, and it don't make no sense. You get done, you've got more questions, you've got answers. It's just supposed to be a cabinet. What happened? He was in a miserable position, but notice this, he did have some miraculous possessions. What do you mean by that, preacher? We'll look at verse number 28. As was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. He didn't read, it wasn't from memory. It wasn't what somebody else was telling him. He had a copy of the very word of God in his hands. <laughs> he had the best thing he could have, the greatest thing any person could need. He had in his hands a word of God. Now, we take that for granted, right? Because if I lose my Bible or my, I misplace my Bible, I've got 12 more on my shelf in there, right? If I lose those 12, Matter of fact, Miss Becky's put on. A, I've lost. I've lost two Bibles that are that look like this. They're wide margin, and all, I've lost two of them since I've been pastor. No idea where they went. Whoever found them, hope they get saved by the grace of God. <laughs> I've lost two. Matter of fact, this one I didn't even buy. Brother Sonny gave it to me because he felt bad to me, bad for me. <laughs> so it's got. He scratched his name out and put my name in the front. But Miss Becky's put a stipulation. She said, "She said, Tate, if you lose one more Bible, you're going to step down." <laughs> can't have a pastor losing his Bible all the, all the time I'm pretty sure I left one at the school and I don't know where the other one went to it just disappeared but here and so but we could just go we go buy another we can go to Dollar, you can go to Dollar Tree and buy one for just a few bucks King James Bible and we have it all around us but for this man to have a copy of God's word was a miracle it was miraculous why? Because they didn't, have, they didn't have a dollar general in Jerusalem. 
Matter of fact, in order to have one and get a copy of it, you had to know a scribe. You had to know somebody who was translating. They didn't do that in essence. They didn't turn out 600 copies a, a minute. Right? It was a tedious process. And so not only the fact that he has one is miraculous, but the fact that he's an outsider. Right? He's, he's not of the temple. He's not of the priestly line. He's not of the ones of the Pharisees and the, uh, the religious elite. And yet somehow this man from Ethiopia has God's word. More than likely, he's paid a lot for it. He's invested a great deal of money into it in order to get a copy of it. So, but not only the fact that the position is outside of the price he must have paid but notice the portion that he had. What if he had Leviticus? <laughs> what if he had Daniel? Well, here's the thing about the Old Testament. I'm not one of them that says, well, you know, the Old Testament ain't no grace. There ain't no salvation. Hogwash. <laughs> hey, man, you're going, you, he, he had Isaiah. You know what Isaiah is typically called or normally called? It's called your Bible, the Old Testament. Isaiah has 66 books in it, Brother Kim. <laughs> and you line them up, it lines up with the outline of your Bible. It's amazing how that works out. But not only that, the fact that he has the book of Isaiah, because there's some portions of Isaiah, it deals strictly with the Jewish people. It deals strictly with Isaiah the prophet. But he's got it flipped open to Isaiah 53. And he's reading about this man who is going through these things and he's going through all of this. And he said, who is this man? Who is he? He's got a miraculous possession. Not only did he possess the word of God, but he also possesses a man of God. What do you mean by that, preacher? He didn't own Philip. That's not what I'm saying. But in verse number 29, God led Philip right to this man. Verse number 29, and the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Here's a man who had a question that only a man who knew God could answer. And God said, hey, Philip, go, go right over there. So now he not only has the word of God, but now he has a man who knows the word of God. You know what every lost person needs? It's not a church per se. It's not a, a, a religious establishment per se. They need a Christian who knows God's word and is willing to share it with them. Do you know who this is? And Philip said, well, I do. Give me a few minutes, I'll explain it to you. But I was reading through this and it reminded me of... Uh, Romans 10, 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that this is the word of faith which we preach. Here's, he's reading enough to know how to get in. He's read enough to know that, that this is the way to salvation, that Jesus is the one. He just can't connect the dots. Why? He's a natural man. He's a man without the spirit of God dwelling inside of him. He's a man who's trying to make sense of the world, trying to make position, sense of who he is and, and the questions of his life. He needs somebody who knows the answer. He's gone to Jerusalem. He's talked to the, the religious elite. He's talked to the Pharisees. He's talked to those that are in Jerusalem and they don't know the answer. God said, I have a man who does. I have a man who does. <laughs> Let me ask you, do you know somebody like this? So we often think when we go out and we preach the gospel, we got to go find the worst sinner we can lay our eyes on. Give me the guy that you can smell the liquor on his breath. He's got track marks on his arm. He's frail as, as bones and he's living in a tent underneath a bridge. That's who I'm going to go witness. Now those people need witnessing too. 
You know, there's a vast majority of people in, the, in our society, in our families, in our towns, in our, even in our community today, they have a Bible at their house. They attempt to go to church to worship. They go through the, the roles and they go through the processes. They show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday trying to find an answer to their questions. And everywhere they go, nobody seems to know the answer. Yet here we sit this morning as identified Christians who say we know the gospel. We know what Jesus has done for us. Well, I think it's, sometime, it's about time we run to some people and say, I've got what you're looking for. I know the answer. So notice from one, we see the Ethiopian eunuch. Do you know some people in your life that resemble this eunuch? But then we have this man named Philip. Verse number 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Or saying, arise and go toward the south and to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. How many would like for the Lord to call you to a desert place? <laughs> hey, sometimes that's where you got to go to find the one who needs it. I'd be going willing to go where nobody else wants to go. But here's the thing. When you study Philip out, you'll find out two things about this man. One, he was a man of obedience. Acts chapter number six, verses one through six this morning. I'll read it to you this morning, but Acts chapter six, verses one through six. When it was the first time we are identified or, or we are, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, introduced uh, to Philip this morning. And in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, or was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The church had grown so much, and there's so many new believers. There was work that needed to be done that was getting neglected because there simply wasn't enough people to do the work. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Not that in essence it was below them, but it was not the priority. It was not the greatest thing. Rather, it was a good thing, but it was not the best thing for them to be doing at that time. Why do you know that, preacher? Because you and I needed the word of God. Right? So they said, well, it's not good for us to leave what God has called us to, to go serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look at you among seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. In wisdom, we may appoint over this business. And I think some deacons took that phrase way, way over, over the line, amen? But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and saying, this saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and a whole bunch of other names I can't pronounce. <laughs> but really, well, he's one, so he's the first, one of the first deacons in the church, amen? And he, he didn't say, oh, I'm a deacon, I'm on the board now. I'm fixing to run this thing. Preacher, you gotta run everything through me. This is thing going to be successful. Can I say 21st century modern American Christianity has taken the word deacon and the position of deacon and made it something completely unbiblical. Amen. This church, church has never been a thing about hierarchy. It's never been a thing about raising to a plateau on a platform and putting everybody else beneath you or being served. But rather, Christianity has always been based in serving others. And that's what these men were called to do. Well, they were, they were, they were prayed about and chosen to do this morning. But that's where we find Philip. First time he's mentioned, he is serving within the church, so to speak. He is serving within the body of Christ. He is, he is taking care of the tables. He is ministering to the widows. He is, he is doing the things that he is capable of doing and able to doing so the other men can do what God desires out of them. To, 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 to get the word of God, to, to write it down and give it to the churches. But then you go to Acts chapter number eight, where we're at this morning. You go down to verse number five, right before where we started. It says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Well, why did it go there? Well, persecution came. 
And so the church splits up. And here Philip goes down to Samaria and he begins to preach Christ. So notice this, his, his, his service, his obedience was found within the church uh, as, a, as, a, as a deacon serving and helping, but now it's come out to the community level. He has gone into Samaria. In essence, he's, 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 he's starting an evangelistic tour. Right, he is preaching the gospel there in, in, in uh, uh, Samaria and people are getting saved, not by just a few here and there, but by the handfuls, hundreds, if not thousands are calling upon the Lord for salvation, being baptized, joining the church, and this thing is taking off in Philip's life. He's gone from serving within the church, right, sweeping the floors, cleaning up after the service, doing those menial tasks, but now he's out in the community. He's preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in Samaria. Folks are getting saved. Then you go down to verse number 12. The Bible says, but then when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the names of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs. Which Philip's got a following now. Hey, he's just one fella but he's got a following. It's amazing how, how we think so highly of ourselves. Look at this great following that I have. It's just one guy. Right, and the moment you and I begin to get concerned about a following instead of faith and following the Lord Jesus Christ, well, we've messed up. Here, Philip said, I, I've started, I'm obedient in the house of God. I'm obedient in my community to preach the word of God. But then Acts chapter number 26 and 29 shows us that obedience was a personal thing. Philip. Even if it's no longer within the, the confines of being a deacon, even if it's no longer being an evangelist in a great community, and, and that's setting up a tent and seeing hundreds, if not thousands, of people saved, we see that Philip obeyed on a personal level. Notice here in verse number 26, there was general obedience. Right? God said, Hey, go in this direction. How I many like that call in your life? God just said, Hey, go south. Uh, okay, Lord. We see that in Abraham's life, right? Get out of here. Go to another land. Where, Lord? I'll tell you. <laughs> but here he says, Philip, he tells Philip, verse 12, arise and go toward the south under the way which goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is, <laughs> I could see, he's walking out of one of the greatest revivals that we see in our Bible, folks getting saved by the grace of God, and he just walks right out of it. Philip, where are you going? Philip, you've got a following. Philip, you've got people getting saved on the left and the right. Philip, where are you going? I don't know. God just told me to go south. So I'm going. I think there's a great lesson we could learn from Philip's life right here. And to remember, see, we're living in a day and age where most Christians are chasing the next revival. They're chasing the next camp meeting. They're chasing the next exciting service. Reality is we ought to be listening to God's voice and say, all right, God, where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to reach today with the gospel? But here he says, right, the Lord says, all right, Philip, go south. And then Philip goes south, and the Lord says, all right, go to him. See, it started from a general sense, right? The, the Great Commission is a general command. Go ye therefore. But as we get up, we start to pursue that, right? We start to say, all right, I'm gonna, I, today I'm going to share the gospel with somebody. And you go out and you live that, that mentality and say, all right, today's the day I'm going to share the gospel. Don't be shocked when God puts an individual in your, in your path. Right, there's that general command, but then he goes into a specific command. He told him to join the run to that chariot. Amen. If the Lord told me to run towards the chariot, I'd be real sad. <laughs> Lord, I ain't catching it. You want to providentially slow that thing down. Take a wheel off it, Lord, so I can catch up with it. <laughs> but here's the thing this morning. If you don't set out to fulfill the Great Commission, 
you won't see the specific plan in your life. See, a lot of times we, Lord, let me win somebody to Christ accidentally today. We don't say that. That's how we live. Oh, Lord, if it happens, then it happens. Instead of saying, Lord, today's the day. Today is the day of salvation, Lord, and there's somebody out there that I need to share the gospel with. So he's a man of obedience. We see it in his life, but he's also a man of opportunity. Look at verse number 30, and Philip ran thither to him. He ran towards the will of God and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest. It's amazing. We're 2,000 years removed from this. I don't know how you typically open up your conversation with people, but typically it starts with a question. Hey, if you're to die right now, do you know you're going to heaven? Are you saved by the grace of God? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as, as your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted God's free gift? To save? It always starts with the question. And here's Philip showing us, it's, it's, that's how it was back in the Bible days. Do you understand what you're reading? Like, do you understand it? Understand it. Do you get it? Do you, do you, do you not just know what it's uh, grammatically, uh, grammatically saying, but do you understand it inwardly, spiritually? Do you understand the great truth behind it? And the eunuch's response makes it He said, no, I don't. I said, he said, how can I except a man tell me? He said, I've read it, I've read it, I've read it, and it's making absolutely no sense to me. He said, I can't figure out who this man is. I can see Philip smile from ear to ear. And so I know exactly who it is. Verse number 35, how do you know, preacher? And Philip opened his mouth and began at that. So he said, let's start right here. He said, well, he couldn't turn into Romans because it hadn't been written yet. <laughs> he said, we can start right here. And I'll show exactly who it is. And he said he preached Jesus to him. See, he was different from the Pharisees. He didn't try to debate the scriptures. Well, it could be this one, it could be that one, or it could be this one, or... No, he didn't debate, nor did he doubt. He didn't say, well, you know, I'm not really sure myself. Nor did he have any distraction. Well, we'll get back to that. Let's talk about creation first. No, Philip said, it's Jesus. That's the Lord who was crucified right outside of Jerusalem. That city you just visited, right outside of it, that's where he died. But can I tell you, he rose again the third day. Matter of fact, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Matter of fact, I know some men who've seen him go to heaven. And he said he's coming back. But he starts right there, and the Bible said he preached Jesus to him. He didn't hold back. He didn't ask for any questions. He just preached Jesus to him. Preacher, what do lost people need? Christians to preach Jesus to them. I'm not talking about arrogantly putting your finger in their face, calling them an idiot and dumb and all those kind of things, but to say, let's start right here. Let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you who he is and tell you what he's done for me. He was a man of opportunity. Saturday morning, my kids went to that yard sale convention. <laughs> it wasn't a convention. It was just a yard sale in Blythe. Makes it sound better. <laughs> Miss Becky was with Miss Shiloh, and I looked at the time. I, I knew what I had to do for the rest of the day. I said, I did something real spiritual, Jordan. I said, I got enough time to go play disc golf. I grabbed my bag. I hopped in the car. Took off down the road to Pendleton King Park. Somewhere between my house and there, I said, all right, Lord, I sure would like to share the gospel with somebody. Well, let me do it here. Well, let, let, me, let, let me tell somebody about you. <laughs> I pulled up. There was one other car in Pendleton King Park. It was a transport van. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that, Lord. <laughs> I don't know. That's real sketchy. I mean, people stay nights over, overnight in the park. And I wasn't sure about that. 
And then I got out of the car. I was walking towards the first tee, and this lady came running down the road, and she was running fast, and she was having a conversation. I said, Lord, that ain't her. Or that, that ain't it. I, <laughs> I ain't Philip, Lord. But she was gone. And so I got on the first tee. I pulled out my disc. Threw a terrible shot. I said, you know what? Ain't nobody around. I'm going to throw another one. <laughs> Went back to my bag and got out another disc and threw a real good shot. About that time, that transport van that I had passed on the way in was pulling around towards the first tee. And he stopped in the middle of the road. If you've ever been to Pendleton King Park, it would make sense to you. But he stopped in the middle of the road. He rolled down his window. He said, hey, man, what you doing? I said, I'm playing disc golf. He said, I, I'm, I was just going to watch you. I said, sir, there ain't much to watch here. He said, and so this is, you know, what are you trying to do? I said, I'm trying to throw it into that basket down there. He said, you ever done that before? I said, oh, no, never been close to throwing it on one try. Never, and I probably never will be. And got to chuckling. And then I realized it. I said, it's him. I said, sir, you going to go to heaven when you die? He said, excuse me? I, I, I didn't follow the, the let's go soul winning handbook, you know, break the ice, you know, comment on their boat and say how good it looks. I said, sir, you're going to go to heaven when you die. He said, excuse me. I just repeated. I said, sir, you're going to go to heaven when you die. He said, oh, yes. I said, oh, okay, how do you know that? And that man, his name was Tim, black man. He just started preaching to me, Brother Kim. I'm talking about he just let loose. He said, I was introduced to the Father a long time ago. I'm a child of God, saved by the grace of God, blood washed, born again. I said, sir, calm down. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I said, go ahead, sir. Help yourself. I mean, I mean, the way he, I didn't say, are you sure about that? I said, sir, I'm just glad to be saved. He said, amen, me too. He said, God bless you. I'm going on my way. No, I didn't win the man of the Lord. I think the Lord already won him. <laughs> but it's realizing that opportunity, right? And saying, well, Lord, is that the one? The Lord literally brought him over to me. <laughs> he used something foolish called disc golf <laughs> to intrigue a man. Let me go see what this guy's doing over here. And just for two believers to fellowship for just a few seconds. Let me ask you this morning. Will you be like Philip? and seize the opportunity to share the gospel with others. We see this man named Philip. We see the Ethiopian eunuch. And then we see the results of verses 36 through 40 this morning. Going back to our instant play, replay analogy, we can see all the circles and the arrows were, were necessary to help us achieve an attended result. Right? We can see all what God's doing here. But notice this. Here's the results. Philip didn't settle for less. Verse number 36. And as they went their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be back? Another great question, sir. Philip didn't say, Well, you know, you're just missing somebody to baptize you. You didn't bring your baptismal clothes. That's what you forgot. They forgot to put the heater in it. That's why you can't get baptized. Right? And easily, so, here's the thing, so many churches in our present day, you ask that same question, what does hinder me to be? Well, you just got to show up. No, the reality is there was something great missing in this man's life that if he didn't get it and he got baptized, he just got wet. Philip said, here's what you need. He didn't settle for less than. See, Ethiopia, I don't think he was trying to be arrogant. 
Why can't I get baptized? But he knew the Jewish custom where they would go and they would worship and then they would cleanse themselves in a, in a pool and they'd come out clean, so to speak. He said, what's hindering me from experiencing that? And Philip said, you don't need that. You need him. Because look, there's a simple invitation in verse number 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Believe what? Jesus. That Jesus died from him. Here's the amazing thing. Philip would not have passed Bible college. He didn't use the word repentance. Nor did he hang this man out over hell. Nor did he guilt trip him. Nor did he, did he place 17 verses of amazing grace to tug at his emotional heartstrings to draw him forward. He just said, all you need to do is believe on Christ. That's all you're missing. It was a simple invitation. Just believe the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a simple response. The Ethiopian eunuch, the Bible says in verse number 37, thou believe with all thy heart thou mayest. And he answered, he said, I've got goosebumps the size of golf, golf balls on the back of my neck. I felt a great bird and rolled away. He just said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe he is who he said he is. And the fact that he used the word Christ means, see, he was saying, I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's the one that God sent to die for my sins. I believe he's the one that God promised. I could see the light bulb go off in the, that eunuch's eyes. That's him. Isaiah 53, that's him. He did that for me. I believe that, he, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And then Philip said, well, I hate to break it to you, brother. You didn't say it right. <laughs> you didn't say the exact words. You didn't follow the prayer in the back of the, your Bible. You didn't do it. <laughs> that was a simple response. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We need to quit overcomplicating something that God has made so simple. It don't take much. It, just, it takes believing the Lord Jesus Christ is who he said he is. And that you are who he said you are. And you agree with those facts. There's obvious obedience, verse number 38, verse number 39. <laughs> he commanded the chariot to stay, and he said, stop. I don't know if he had people pulling the chariot, or he just told the horses to be stayed. <laughs> Somebody stopped. He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down, both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. The eunuch said, I ain't waiting to, I ain't putting this off. He said, I'm, I'm doing the first step of obedience. I'm going to be baptized. So they went down there and baptized him. Now, your Baptist bride is going to be upset about this. Because he wasn't in church. Philip wasn't a Baptist. <laughs> he didn't have a tie on. It didn't take place on a Sunday morning after the Sunday morning service. But I think this man, I believe this man got saved. And he was serious about what had happened. Obvious obedience. Then there's the lasting effect, verse number 39. And they were caught up out of the water, come up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord called, called away, just disappeared on them. Gone. I'm going to start praying, Lord, let me do that one Sunday. Let me say, let's all, every head bowed, every eye closed, and I'm just gone. Put me first in line at the buffet. <laughs> Philip went on prayer. I just want to go eat. <laughs> but Philip just disappeared. And the eunuch didn't say, oh, no, what am I going to do? Because the eunuch didn't need Philip anymore. Because he had the Lord. Now God dwelled inside of him. The eunuch returned praising I could, I could imagine he's come back to 
Ethiopia is walked back into the palace of the queen. And she, there's something different. How'd your trip go? Better than you'd ever imagine. <laughs> you, you just seem like there's something. Oh, I wish I could tell you, queen. If you give me a few minutes, I will. <laughs> the man went home and he was a witness for Christ in Ethiopia. It's amazing. You can trace back some of that history of the, the, those Ethiopian Christians. And a lot of them trace back their heritage or their, their, the, where, where the gospel came. They trace it back to this man. Being a eunuch, he could not physically re- reproduce children. But being a Christian, ain't no telling how many children God let him see birth into the family of God. The eunuch returned praising God. Best trip I've ever taken in my life. And Philip gained a reputation. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 21. And we're just about done this morning. Acts 21, verse number 8. The Bible says, And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip. How does it describe him? The evangelist. I don't think this was the only man Philip ever led to the Lord. He probably, this probably, I don't think it started it, but if this probably cemented it. He'd probably go around telling churches and telling other Christians, listen, you got to go out and you got to tell somebody about Jesus. Because there was a time I was preaching a revival. Everything was wonderful. Everything was great. And God told me to leave. And I left. And God put me in a chariot with a man from Ethiopia. And God let me see him get saved by the grace of God. And if God could do that for me, he can do that for you. Let me ask you this morning. If we were to take you and put you into verse number 8 of chapter number 21, and it said, we have entered into the house of Jordan. We've entered into the house of Luke. We've entered the house of Tate. Would that be the same moniker afterwards? You've entered the house of Tate, the evangelist. I'm not talking about one who travels around church to church preaching and edifying the saints. I'm talking about one who shares the gospel. What kind of reputation have you earned as a Christian? Would it say you, the evangelist, or you, something else? We see the results this morning. This man got saved, and he went back and witnessed to others, and Philip continued to share the gospel with those around him. This morning, God laid it out clear for us. If it worked back then, it still works today. We can follow the arrows and the circles this morning that we've drawn in our Bibles and this play-by-play replay and say, Lord, if you can do it for Philip, would you do it for me? You've got to be obedient. You've got to listen. When, the, when it arises, be a person of opportunity and say, listen, I'm not here by accident. The Lord told me to preach the gospel. He told me to share the gospel, and I'm here to share it with you. Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.